Scaled Up Nation, we are professional water treaters, and we need to know what's in the water, and the tools we use to analyze that water needs to be of the top quality. One of the tools that we use are dip slides to determine planktonic bacteria and fungi counts. Fluid Maintenance Solutions provides affordable, reliable, and quality dip slides. Fluid Maintenance Solutions can private label your dip slides with your company logo. Don't leave an empty box behind with your customer. Leave them a branded reminder of you and your company. Order before August 31st and pay only $14.95 per box of 10-count dip slides. Give Fluid Maintenance Solutions a call today at 405-612-7869 or go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash dip slides. Fluid Maintenance Solutions, quality dip slides you can count on. As a listener of the Scaling Up H2O podcast, you are looking for ways to learn more. NACE, the National Association of Corrosion Engineers, is helping us do this very thing. NACE's basic corrosion e-course is a knowledge-packed course that teaches us the science of corrosion, inspection and monitoring methods, and the different factors that determine the corrosion of the assets we treat as industrial water treaters. Go to nace.org forward slash scaling up and receive a $200 discount on the basic corrosion e-course through August 31st. NACE courses are recognized globally as the premier technical training for the corrosion workforce. Get started learning today by going to nace.org forward slash scaling up. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. Scaling Up Nation, Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O. And Nation, it is August already. August 7th. And wow, what a crazy ride we have all been on. Now, I'm going to do something special. It's not been done before. I'm going to declare it, at least for the Scaling Up Nation, but I am going to declare August Legionella Awareness Month. So everybody out there in the Scaling Up Nation, I know you have questions about Legionella. I know that you are talking with customers about Legionella. And I know for some of us, we have more questions then we have answers. Now, I've done several shows on Legionella. If you want to go back and listen to some of those shows, those numbers are number nine. So right when we were just starting the podcast out, friend of show, Dr. Janet Stout, came on and she talked to us about Legionella from the water treater's perspective. And then we had Matt Farigi come on to talk about water management plans and things that we need to consider on episode 83. And then our friend Janet Stout came back on episodes 120 and 121, where we talked about some changes to ASHRAE's 188. Since that time, I've received several questions about Legionella. And I think when we go to conferences about Legionella, the speakers are talking about the topic at such a high level. 
And in the water treatment industry, we have people over all aspects of their career. So if someone is just getting started in their career, they may not have the base information that they need to be able to participate in some of those higher level conversations. So what I hope to do today is I hope to bridge that gap, and we're gonna talk very simplistically about Legionella. Legionella 101, maybe even more basic. So that's what's in store for today. Now you might be wondering why we're talking about Legionella, why we're declaring that August is Legionella Awareness Month. And the reason I'm doing that is because there is a conference that's put on at the end of every August by the uh, National Health Services and the National Environmental Health Association. Now, because of everything that we're experiencing right now, most conferences are going virtual. Well, they decided that they were going to hold their annual conference next year and not do a virtual conference. So it was supposed to be August 19th through 21st. It's now rescheduled for January 20th through 22nd. It's still going to be in Chicago at the Sheraton Grand Hotel right there by the Riverwalk. So if you're planning on going to that, you're gonna meet a whole bunch of people that have been on this show, and you're gonna meet a bunch of people that have the same desire that you do, trying to end Legionnaire's disease. What are the things that we can do as professional water treaters so our customers can make better decisions about the equipment that they own so people don't have to suffer getting sick with Legionnaire's disease. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to do today's show just on Legionella. So very baseline. This might be too basic for some of the people out there, and that's okay. If we can all get to the same level where we can have a conversation, I think everybody will be fine with that. So that's what today's topic is. It's about Legionella. It's about knowing, and just like our friend G.I. Joe said, knowing is half the battle. I guess I just dated myself there. Is, is that, that was a cartoon on when I was a kid. Do they still say that? Is there still an action hero called G.I. Joe? Do they still do that? Anyway, let's talk about guidelines because I'm sure the one that you're thinking of is ASHRAE's 188. And you're thinking, you know, I, I really don't think we had any sort of documentation before ASHRAE came out with this 188 document and that is simply not the case. In fact, we've had some sort of guideline. Now, ASHRAE 188 is a standard. It's the first standard we've ever had. It's a voluntary standard. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but we have had some sort of guideline that we could choose from back since the early 90s. Uh, there's been various things over the globe. The United States is pretty slow to catch up with some of this. But if you live in Canada, especially Quebec, there's all sorts of documentation there. Uh, of course, in England and all other parts of, of Europe, you can find documentation there. In Australia, people are dealing with Legionella way better than the United States has been. So ASHRAE did what they 
thought was best, and they came up with a committee. That committee met for many years. I want to say it was about 10 years. And then finally, ASHRAE's document 188 was published. But before that, a lot of people forget that there was a guideline that ASHRAE had called 12200, and it was a standard entitled Minimizing the Risk of Legionellosis Associated with Building Water Systems. So folks, stuff like this has been out there. In fact, AWT, back in 2003, published the first Legionella white paper, and that has since been updated several times. So folks, it's not a new topic. Maybe you're just hearing about ASHRAE 188, but I assure you there is documentation all over. Now, ASHRAE 188 came out in 2015, and the thing about ASHRAE 188 is it is a voluntary standard. That means that there's a standard out there, but you have to choose unless some sort of law says that you have to follow this. And that was published in 2015. But the thing you need to know is it is a living document. Now, what the living document means is that as new information becomes available, as they find out that they can write things in a better way so people understand it better, or they're meeting all the needs that the document needs to meet, they will update it. And folks, that happened in 2018. So they did add, I think pretty much basically it was some language for uh, making the document easier to put into code, but it did update. So if you read it once, you have to keep on keeping up with it because you might be behind the game. Now you can find ASHRAE's document on their website and this used to be true and I'm pretty sure it still is. You can read it online and it won't cost you a dime. If you want to download it so you now own a copy, they will charge you for that. So just so you know, I want to, we'll put all that information on the show notes page, but uh, there's no reason that you should not know what ASHRAE's document 188 says. Another question that I get all the time about ASHRAE is there's mention to ANSI. ANSI is American National Standards Institute, and people don't understand, is it an ASHRAE document? Is it an ANSI document? What exactly does this mean? Well, what ASHRAE did was they did it in conjunction with ANSI so it could fit right in to our local laws and codes and using the ANSI format that allowed them to do that. Nation, I'm just going to start out with talking about what the heck Legionella is. And Legionella, that's a funny word. Why do we call this bacteria Legionella? So I'm going to go back to the very first time when we discovered Legionella bacteria. So it was in 1976 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, during an American Legion convention. Now, if you can imagine, uh, American Legion, there are all uh, people that have served in the armed forces, and a lot of the people were of a higher age. So in their high 60s, 70s, 80s, and because of this, they're more susceptible to catching some diseases. 
Now, the other thing that was going on was the date was 1976. So that was the 200th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So this was a super well-attended convention. It was at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel, and everybody had a great time. They went home, and people started getting sick. In fact, 34 people died and they had no idea what was getting these people sick. If you were to look back at some of the magazine articles during that day, you would see speculation that perhaps the Russians were doing something to harm the United States veterans. And of course, that wasn't the case, but nobody knew what it was. Well, they found that there was a bacteria that people inhaled, and they didn't have a name for it. Well, they named it after the people that helped them find it, the people who originally contracted it, and they named it Legionella. So Legionella is what we call the actual bacteria named after the legionnaires that originally got the disease. So even with that, I know there's some questions. So Legionella is the bacteria, and the one that we are most susceptible to is called Legionella pneumophila. Now that is a mouthful. Well, let's look at the word. So now we have some information and things should start making sense to us. So Legionella, well, we know that. We know that's named after the legionnaires that originally contracted it, pneumophila. So if we were to look at pneumo, that's the term for lung. If we were to look at phila, that means loving. So Legionella is a lung-loving bacteria. Now, Legionnaire's disease is what happens when the bacteria causes pneumonia. Legionnaire's disease is the pneumonia form of the disease. Now, let's say somebody gets the bacteria, they get sick, but it doesn't develop pneumonia. Well, that's called Pontiac fever. And that's more of flu-like symptoms. Now, for those people that have been in water treatment for a while, it's very likely that you've caught some form of Pontiac fever and you never really realized it. You thought it was a bad cold, a bad flu, and maybe your body was able to get over it. Or maybe you went to the doctor and they gave you something like azithromycin. That's a Z-pack. They might have given you something like Leviquin. They might have given you something like uh, tetracycline. Now, those are some of the antibiotics that are proven effective in helping the body get rid of the Legionella bacteria. Now, earlier I mentioned Legionella pneumophila. I think it's important to know that there's over 58 species of Legionella. So if you've ever done a Legionella test, you know that you've gotten a report back and it says what kind of species it is. Now, Sera group one is the most infectious. So of the Legionella pneumophila, the Sera group one is the one that's most recognized for causing Legionnaire's disease. And by the way, 
Last time I checked, there were over 15 subgroups or serogroups of those 58 species of Legionella. So this is a, a ever-changing, uh, people are discovering new forms of Legionella, but again, normally we worry about that serogroup one. People wonder, what are some of the symptoms of Legionnaire's disease? Well, before I do that, I mentioned Pontiac fever. So again, that is when you get sick from the bacteria, but you don't have pneumonia. Normally that appears after one to three days of exposure, and it lasts about five days or so. Normally it does not require hospitalization because most people get over it on their own. As I mentioned before, if they do have some issues, they can go to the doctor, and, and if they do choose the right antibiotics, that will help with that. And over 95% of the world's population is susceptible to Pontiac fever. Now let's talk about legionellosis. Now that's the first time I use that term. I've been using the term Legionnaire's disease. Well, folks, they're the same thing. Legionellosis and Legionnaire's disease are the exact same thing, just a little different way of saying it. And what that is, that's the pneumonia form. Now, this is the time where it gets really serious because this is what people die from. It starts affecting multiple systems within the body. It makes it so people can't get the, their lungs aren't working properly because they're filled with fluid and that's what pneumonia is. Symptoms are high fever, chills, muscle pain, headache, dry cough, it could have diarrhea, vomiting, confusion, delirium. Um, now there's a host of things, but these are all associated with Legionnaire's disease. Now somebody exposed to this can start seeing symptoms two to 10 days after exposure. Normally it does require hospitalization. And they estimate about 5% of the world's population is susceptible to this. Now, there are some people that are more susceptible than others. And we mentioned that the Legionnaires, they were older. And the older population, the geriatric population, definitely is in this susceptible group. People that are immune suppressed. So maybe somebody that's had a transplant or undergoing chemotherapy, some sort of cardiac disease, lung disease, maybe they're on a steroid to fight inflammation or, or some sort of treatment. Well, that's also going to suppress their immune system. Of course, people that are normally sick or in poor health, they're going to be in this age group as well. We mentioned elderly, people that are in the hospital, People that smoke, folks, when you smoke, that does some damage to the insides of your bodies, especially lungs. So you smokers out there that are water treaters, I want you to know that you are putting yourself at a higher risk for catching Legionnaire's disease than somebody that is not smoking. So if you needed a reason to quit smoking, add that to the list, please and of course, people with lung disease. So generally speaking, somebody with a weakened immune system is going to be more susceptible. So now let's talk about how we get Legionnaire's disease. Uh, there's a lot of people that think a bunch of things. I can get it if somebody coughs on me, sneezes on me, maybe I touch a surface that had Legionella on it. Folks, it is not like that. Legionella is actually 
contracted in one way. And what that is, it's through contaminated water droplets. You have to inhale the water droplets that have Legionella bacteria in them, and that's how they get into the body. So when you look at what are the devices that have the potential to vaporize or to throw a mist off of contaminated water, those are the areas that are you've got to look out for for Legionnaire's disease. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a second. We've had Janet Stout come on to talk about how she does her testing. Uh, but it's important to know that when we talk about testing for Legionella, there's really two types of tests uh, when you look at the what's being tested. So one is the system. We can take a sample from the system, send that off, and they can say, yes, the system has Legionella bacteria, and it's this species and Sarah group number whatever. So with all of that, uh, a lot of us are doing that type of test right now, and there are a lot of companies that are doing that type of testing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to some different types of Legionella tests later in this month. Now, you're probably using the culture. Right now, that is the gold standard. That's what's most legally defensible. Uh, but folks, there are other tests out there. And just because they're not the gold standard right now, it doesn't mean that maybe someday that they will. So I wanna make sure that you're familiar with that. But that's not today's show, that's coming up later in the month. Suffice it to say that this is when we go out and we take a test in one of the systems that could transfer water droplets, and we wanna make sure that Legionella is either not in the system, or if it is in the system, we're aware of it and we're doing something about it. The other type of test is when somebody gets infected with it. And a lot of times this starts out as an X-ray. X-ray says that the person has pneumonia, there's fluid in the lungs, and then they may take another test to see if it's Legionella positive. Now there's a urine test that they can do that, and there's also where they take a sample of the sputum, the, what somebody would cough up uh, when they're sick, and they would run a test on that. I think they can also do a lung biopsy as well. Now, you might be thinking that the only place you can get Legionella is in a cooling tower. And folks, it seems like the whole world thinks that, but that is not the case. In fact, 80% of all of the CDC's Legionella cases has been found in domestic water. Domestic water, folks. The water that we are drinking, the water that we're taking showers in. Only 20%, see that was pretty hard math, but I did that for you. Only 20% of the CDC's cases have been in cooling towers. Now, the thing I did not mention in the very beginning when I was telling you about the Bellevue Stratford Hotel with the Legionnaires Convention is they found the first sample where that Legionella was coming from in the cooling tower. So folks, forever, the cooling tower is going to be blamed because that's where it was associated with first. That's where they found it. 
So from here on out, the cooling tower has to be proven innocent and it is assumed guilty. For those of you that practice the same type of water treatment that I do, you need to make sure that you have proper documentation to prove the cooling tower's innocence. And I think that's a great way to look at it. So with all of that, with all of that background, I want to get into the documents that we're, we're all familiar with or we know we need to get familiar with, and that is ASHRAE's 188. By the way, it's entitled ASHRAE 188, Legionellosis Risk Management for Building Water Systems. So that was released on June 26, 2015. And for those of you that go to the Association of Water Technologies, you might know Bill Pearson. Bill Pearson is a fellow past president of the Association of Water Technologies, and he was also the ASHRAE liaison representative for the Association of Water Technologies. And I remember Bill Pearson standing up since early 2000s, 2003, 2004, 2005, saying ASHRAE is going to put this document together. And every single year and every year after that, he would get up and present to the General Assembly of the AWT, this is what we're working on, it's going to be passed. And then next year would go by, it wasn't passed, and he said, this is what we're working on, it's going to be passed. Well, because Bill was so diligent, the AWT uh, not only had representation, the AWT had voting representation through Bill Pearson. And there was a lot of back and forth with AWT and that committee. Uh, there are a lot of people that were on that committee that are part of the AWT besides Bill Pearson. But because of that relationship, AWT was kept very informed. But then on June 26, 2015, it almost seemed like the entire organization of the Association of Water Technologies was struck by surprise that now we have this standard on Legionella. And Bill's thinking, wait a second, for the past 10 years, I've been telling you all about this. And I guess people just have a tendency that if it's not right now, I'm not going to worry about it, and I'll worry about it when it becomes an issue. Well, 2015, June happened, and then just one month later, after that document came out, there was a Legionella outbreak in New York City in the Bronx. And 12 people died, over 100 people got sick, and with that, of course, people get upset. They say, why are people getting sick? Shouldn't somebody have done something? And then they say, well, wait a second, there was a standard out there. There were people out there that ignored this standard and it's out there, even though it's new, somebody should have used it and that could have saved these people from having to experience this. So almost immediately, not quite a month after ASHRAE's 188 was put out to the world, New York adopted it as law. Now, I said earlier it was not even a month. It was a little bit over a month. They adopted that on August 17th, 2015. And what they did, they only included parts of the cooling tower. Now, if you back up a little bit in this podcast... I gave you the information that the CDC shared with me 
that over 80% of all the cases for Legionnaire's disease comes from the domestic water. So they reacted to the situation that was going on right then. And they just put law into effect from this document that dealt with the cooling tower. To my knowledge to date, there's still nothing in there that deals with what produces 80% of the Legionella cases, and that is potable water. So people in New York, guess what? It is not a voluntary standard like I mentioned at the top of the show. It is in your law, and just to make it fun, it is in the law for you to either abide by New York City or New York State. And from what I have read and people I've talked to, it is almost impossible to do both at the same time. So with that, you got to pick and choose which one you're going to use. So again, whenever we're putting things into law, there are always issues when it's the first time around. New York City, New York State was the first people to put this into law, but I know there's legislation out there throughout the United States to put this into law. So we all need to know about it because it could happen tomorrow and now our customers are expecting us to know what to do about it. In fact, a good friend of mine who owns a company in New York, he got a certified letter, I think it was on a Thursday afternoon, and after he opened that certified letter, it changed how he ran his water treatment company from that moment forward. Now, if you ask him what he could have done differently or what advice that he would give, he would say, one, to know this document. And he was the first one to experience this, or he was, the state was the first one to experience, the city was the first person to experience it. So folks, we can learn from their experiences. There's no reason you can't go online and read the code that they have to uh, make sure stays upheld. That will give us an idea what our city might adopt. And now we have hindsight where the people in New York, they didn't have that. So we've got time now. I'm going to recommend you all figure out what you can do so you don't have to change the way you run your company overnight. Again, I am going to underline this statement. It's not if a Legionella law will be passed where you live, it's when. Folks, it will happen. And probably, unfortunately, what's going to happen is somebody is going to get sick, somebody's going to die, and somebody's going to say somebody should have done something about it. A legislator is going to be aware of ASHRAE's 188, and they're going to push that as their platform and get that adopted into law. Folks, please be proactive with this. Now, for those of you that deal with hospitals, doctor's offices, people that are dealing with the care of patients, there's a document out there that you might not be aware of, but you need to be. It is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services 1730, and it was a document that was published on June 2nd, 2017, and it said, if you are going to bill Medicaid or Medicare services for services rendered, like you go to the doctor, 
that person is under those benefits, and that doctor now bills to be reimbursed for those services if they did not have a water management plan as per ASHRAE's 188, they risk not getting reimbursed. So now there's some uh, revisions of that document, but I am shocked by how many water treaters have never heard of that document. We're gonna have these documents up on our webpage so you can get to them, so you can read them, so you can be proactive. But folks, our customers are relying on us to know about this. And if we're not keeping ourselves up to date, we're not able to give them the best information. Now, I want to make sure I make this clear. We cannot do Legionella prevention for them because we don't own the equipment. We can only suggest what best practices are and, and give them examples of what they can do. And then they have to say yes or no. We can't do it for them because we do not own the equipment. And if you read ASHRAE's 188, it is for the building owners and managers. So we need to act as a liaison, if you will, like Bill Pearson was with ASHRAE and the Association of Water Technologies. We need to work with those parties and let them know that this stuff is out there and they need to make some decisions. And we can be part of the team to help give them some information but the decision is theirs. And folks, you need to have these conversations and above all else, you need to document these conversations because years can go by, something will happen and everybody forgets. Please don't rely on your memory. Make sure you document that, yes, we did have these conversations. Yes, we did agree to do this or no, the customer decided not to do this at this time. And I would have them sign off on it. Again, it's not passing the buck. It's making sure everybody understands what their responsibility is. And now we're just having a paper trail so we can revisit it later if need be. Folks, people change their jobs. So there might be somebody new and you had the conversation with somebody else, have it with the new person. I hope all of you are doing customer reviews on a regular basis for the simple fact is I know the water treater out there does not get credit for all of the services that they do up and above what the actual contract is. Folks, that's what that customer contract review is for. Give yourself credit for all the great things, all the value that you are bringing to the table and also include a Legionella conversation with that. Another great reason to have this conversation with your customer is your customer's not thinking about this because it's not an issue right now. When it becomes an issue, they are going to assume nine times out of 10 that because they have a water treatment contract with you, they automatically assume that it includes Legionella prevention. Folks, that is not the case. And that's bad information that our customers are potentially working from. We have to have that conversation with them. We need to let them know that a program for water treatment does four things. It tries to reduce the amount of corrosion that you would have if you didn't have a water treatment program. We've talked on this show before, water's the universal solvent. Water against anything else, 
eventually water is going to corrode it. So we want to protect all that expensive equipment that the water is flowing through. Water treatment is one of the ways we can do that. The second is scaling. Water has all this dissolved stuff in it, and a lot of that stuff will come out at heat transfer surfaces. If it does, it acts as insulation. That makes it more expensive for us to heat and cool a facility, and that means the customers pay more because they don't have good efficiency. It also reduces the capacity that the water has to flow in, thereby also reducing efficiency. Dirt and debris comes in with the water, so we need to do something to make sure that dirt and debris doesn't settle out somewhere. Now, that might be a system design, not, not a 100% water treatment issue, but again, we have to have that conversation. If I had my way, every cooling tower on the planet would have a sand filter on it, but nobody asked me. Uh, we've got to filter these things that are in our systems. And then the last leg is where the confusion comes from. And folks, that's microbial. And microbial, people think, well, hey, that's Legionella. No, 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 no. That is not what that means. When we look at a regular water treatment program and how we deal with microbial, it is about efficiency. We don't want things to grow in that system, so we're reducing the water capacity or we're making insulation, so now the system has to work harder to heat or cool whatever it's going to heat or cool. So it's all about efficiency. It's not about public safety. That puts microbial on an entirely different plane. And that's the connection that our customers don't automatically get to. If somebody wants to go after a very specific species, see if it's in their system, test for it, have parameters, what we're going to do when we get tests back, and then procedures on how we're going to get a level from A to B down to a certain level, that is so far and beyond efficiency and longevity. And I know every water treater out there, they get it. But folks, if you're not having that conversation with your customer, they do not get it. And bad things happen when people assume the other party understands what the other is thinking. So please, please, please have those conversations. A lot of people are intimidated by the ASHRAE 188, now 218 document. Would you be surprised if I told you it was only 17 pages? Only 17 pages. And honestly, the bulk of that is in the references and the code descriptions that they have in the annexes in the back. There are five pages that deal with compliance, with building survey requirements, requirements for building systems, and then uh, the design for buildings. Just five pages. So don't get intimidated with this document. Read the document and talk with somebody that understands it. But again, your customer probably doesn't know about this document. So having these conversations really helps prevent a situation before something happens and now everybody has to get everything in order because the conversation had never been had. So if there's an underlying theme, it's 
talk to your customers. And the secondary theme is document that you're having those conversations. There is a tool out there that I absolutely love. It is 100% free, and it is the document in which I have all my Legionella conversations with my customers with. And because I am such a great advocate of raising the bar, I am going to share with you what I use. Again, it's free to you as well. It is the CDC Toolkit. And I put a link on our show notes page. So you can go to CDC and you can search for it. But if you go to our show notes page, we'll send you a link straight to there. And it is a very simple document that allows you to use pictures, graphics, to have this conversation and make ASHRAE's 188 so easy to understand. So does a building need a water management plan? So that's a question we all have. So does this customer need one? Does the other customer need one? Well, there's four questions up front that you're going to ask. The first one is, is your building a healthcare facility where patients are staying overnight? Okay, well, that's one question. Second question, does your building primarily house people 65 years of age or older? Question three, does your building have multiple housing units and a centralized hot water system? And number four, does your building have more than 10 stories? And this has to include parking and basement levels. Now, if you answered yes to any one of those questions, you need a water management plan. Well, Trace, you said it was voluntary. You're right. But there's a standard out there. Somebody's going to find it if something were to happen. This is what you need to tell your customer. And because you answered yes to one, two, three, or four of those questions, you just have to answer yes to one, you need a water management plan. Now, let's say you answer no to that. Well, there's four more questions that you need to ask to see if you need a water management plan. So, and this is dealing with devices, and it's saying that you should have a water management plan if you have one of these devices. So, question number five on the toolkit was, does your building have a cooling tower? Well, folks, the whole conversation we've been having on this podcast is about cooling towers. So, probably you should advise water management plans. Question six, does the building have a hot tub? Seven, does the building have a decorative fountain? And the last question, does your building have a centrally installed mister, atomizer, air washer, or humidifier? Again, these are all the devices that can carry out those contaminated water droplets. If you answered yes to any one of those, you should have a water management plan. Now, a water management plan does not mean every time you test for Legionella, it's zero. And if it's not zero, the water treater isn't doing their job. So many people think that that is not the case. What a water management plan means, one, is it's not just for the cooling tower. It is the entire building. It is their complete water systems. Now, those are divided into two parts. 
We've got the utility water, that's things like the cooling tower, and then we have the domestic water. So what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna go over what ASHRAE 188 requires that you do. Number one, establish a water management program team. Folks, that's not just the water treater. That's not just the building engineer. That might be people that are involved in the day-to-day -day operations. That might be people that have infectious disease knowledge. That might be equipment manufacturers. Who is going to give us great information about that building that we would need to build the best plan for that building? I've seen so many plans when it's just named a water treatment representative, and that is not really the spirit of what this is asking for. Number two, describe the building water systems using text and flow diagrams. All right, now I've seen some very elaborate write-ups and drawings, and I've seen some very basic ones. All of them work if they show all of the systems. Next, we're gonna go through number three and identify all the potential areas that Legionella can grow and spread. Number four, we are going to decide where control measures should be applied and how we're going to monitor them. So now that we identified where the Legionella risk areas are, what are we gonna to do to ensure that we're not growing Legionella? And what's the schedule that we are going to do as far as testing? Now, keep in mind, ASHRAE 188 does not require that you test, but I have no other way of knowing whether or not there is Legionella in the system if I do not test for it. So do what you will with that, but the only way I know how to handle that is to run testing. Now, and everybody thinks, okay, now we have to have a negative Legionella test come back in order for that plan to be validated. No, folks, that's not it at all. What this is, is this is if we do a test and it comes back with anything besides a negative, we now have control measures where we can intervene on the growth of that Legionella and we can knock it down, we can kill it. We can hopefully prevent people from getting Legionnaire's disease because we're reducing the amount of Legionella. By the way, that is step five, that we are establishing ways to intervene when control limits are not met. So number five is we'll have some ranges that we'll get Legionella tests back with. And depending on those ranges, we're gonna do different control measures. And it might mean that we're gonna be doing multiple control measures. We do one right after the other if we're not getting back to the point that the plan says we need to get to. Now, once we get to that point, a lot of times it's no Legionella detected, then we're going to continue the plan and monitor. And that is the plan being successful. It's not unsuccessful because we found Legionella. It's not that the water treater didn't do his or her job because we found Legionella. We were successful because we found Legionella and because we did something about it, because we reduced how much Legionella bacteria was in that system 
and somebody did not have to suffer legionellosis or Legionnaire's disease, use those terms interchangeably, that plan was successful. Everybody that's running that plan was successful. Next thing we're going to do, number six, is we're making sure that we're running the program, we're making sure it's designed properly, we're making sure it's effective. So we're just looking, trying to see what information that we're gaining over test, over learning the system a little bit better, and it's a living document. We're gonna to continue to update the plan, making it the best Legionella prevention over the entire water system in that building. Number seven is everything that we do, we're going to document and communicate. And by the way, when we communicate something, we document it that we communicated. Folks, that's it. That is a water management plan. So a lot of people get really nervous over that, but a lot of people haven't read it. So that is what it is. Read it. Talk to people that understand it and have those conversations with your clients. Now, I'm gonna have some reference material on our show notes page. I've mentioned several. I wanna make it very easy for you to get those. Uh, I'll definitely have where you can go and get ASHRAE's 188. I'll have where you can download the CDC toolkit that I mentioned. And folks, I gotta tell you, that makes that conversation with our customers so easy. And then I will have the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CNC 1730 document that I mentioned. I will have that for you as well. Nation, there is no doubt about it. Being a water treater is one of the most challenging jobs out there because we have to wear so many hats. We've got to understand the water, of course, which means we need to understand chemistry. Well, if we're sampling the water, we probably have to do some piping. That means we have to understand some plumbing. The equipment we use is electrical. That means we need to understand some electrical work. Of course, we're talking about biological, so we have to understand biology. And folks, I could go on and on and on. If you are not putting yourself in a position each and every day so you can learn something new when you're out there doing your job, trust me you are doing the job wrong. There is so much stuff out there that we can learn something new each and every day. Please challenge yourself to do that. Write something down before you go to bed. Hey, did I learn something new today? Challenge yourself to do that. And I challenge you all to learn more about Legionella. Don't be scared of Legionella, respect Legionella educate on Legionella and share that knowledge with other people because as your information gets better, you're gonna be able to make better decision. As the people you talk to get more information, they're going to make better decisions. It's all about knowledge. It's all about sharing that knowledge. And folks, there's a liability out there too. It's all about documenting those conversations that you're having. I hope this episode allowed you to understand the baseline with what Legionella is, why we need to take it very seriously, why we are really strong in the ability that we have to not only educate people, but also educate people in a way so they can make decisions to keep people from suffering Legionnaire's disease. 
And I hope if you know somebody else who's in the water treatment community that you share this episode with them, you let them know that I am declaring that uh, Scaling Up H2O is declaring that this is Legionella Awareness Month. And I'm gonna bring you some more shows where we're gonna talk about some different type of testing. And I think that August is a great month for you to learn as much as you can about Legionella. And of course, tune in next week because I've got even more. Have a great week, folks. Scaling Up Nation, on episode 136, you heard from four members of the Rising Tide Mastermind. One of those members was Eric Russo. And Eric is an extremely busy individual. And I asked him the question, how he found the time and why he decided to join the Rising Tide Mastermind. Here's what he said. Like most people in the water treatment industry, there's always a struggle with work and life. And I had a daughter on the way and I was probably a little more mindful of how much I was working and how I can adjust my schedule or, or make it in such a way that was sustainable for my family. And this conversation is a little more difficult when you don't have people in the water treatment industry because they don't understand the travel aspect, the service aspect, the technical uh, knowledge needed to be successful it's a little more difficult to, to balance that. So to have a group of like-minded individuals to work through with the goal of self-development, it's really helpful to kind of hash through those problems for me. Have you ever noticed that if you want something done, you give it to a busy person? Why is that? Why do busy people always seem to get something done? And we always wonder why, but there's a secret to that. Most busy people, if they're busy on the right things, it means that they are successful and they've learned to say yes to the things that help with their success, however they define success. Think about that. When was the last time you thought to yourself, how do I define success? Well, those are some of the questions that we ask in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And Eric asked himself, if I join the Rising Tide Mastermind, Will this make me a better husband? Will this make me a better father? Will this make me a better water treater? And Eric has told me that it has done all of those things and he is sure glad that he decided to join. Folks, I cannot say enough good things about being involved in a mastermind group. I ask that you go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if being a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. And if you decide that it is not, please find a group that is right for you. When we get together with other people that are concerned about everyone's success, everyone gets better and the tide rises all boats.